Morning Church. How's everybody doing today? All right, man, you guys are lively today. I like this. I'm going to take advantage of it. Turn to your neighbor and say, God is good. Now turn to your other neighbor or empty seat and say, no, 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 he's better than that. All right, man, God is good. I am so excited to share today to be a part of what God is doing here at Freedom Center Church. I'm kind of a middle message. Uh, Last week, Pastor Jim uh, introduced some of us for the first time or for the millionth time to the Holy Spirit. And next week, we're going to be discussing and learning about the the leading and the calling and the comforting and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so today, I'm going to kind of teach a little bit on the Lord, because I think that if we want to follow the the directions and the guiding of the Holy Spirit, and we want to do those things, right, we have to know who we're, we're listening to. Right, we have to know because if, if I go to work and I think that my boss is just using me to, f- to make a couple nickels and, and they ask me to do things or they ask things of me, I'm, I'm less likely, like, I'm gonna listen to them a few times because I, you know, I need to feed my kids. But over time, I'm gonna get angry and upset and frustrated. But if I know that my boss loves me, wants me to grow and develop and be a better person and, and make the organization a better organization, I'm more likely to listen to them, right? And I think the same thing, that if we don't know who God is, if we don't actually love the Lord, and he asks things of us, or, or, or directs us to do things, or Holy Spirit it gives us words, or, or things to do, and we don't know who God is, and we don't know what the kingdom is, and the things that are at stake with what we do, we're less likely to listen, Right? So, so that's what we're going to talk about today. So um, open up your Bibles if you have them. If not, we have this beautiful screen that has the words bigger than what your screen would be in front of you. But uh, open your Bibles up to Matthew chapter 22. We're going to start in verses 34 uh, through 36. So Jesus is teaching, and, and he's, he's obviously the smartest man ever, right? Like everybody's coming to him with all of these questions, and he's, you know, just like karate chopping all of them, you know, like... You know, like, you know, who's on that coin? Gotcha. You know, like all of these things. And so the Pharisees are fascinated by this, right? They, they're like, this guy has all of the answers. And one of the practices of, of Jews of this time is that when they would gather, they'd sit down and try to trick each other with these really complex questions. Like, what about this? What if God made a burrito so hot? That even he, you know, like they would just do this over and over again. And, and so that's what they would do is they would come to Jesus with these questions, hoping to go, I got him. So that's what happens. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, so another section of Jewish believers, they came together and one of them, like an expert in the law, like this is the guy that's got all the questions, right? He's the guy. So he asked a question to test him. Teacher, which command in the law is the greatest? And, you know, I'm sure... He like asked the question, was like, all right, let's hear what you got to say. You know, I've fooled everybody. We argue about this one all the time. And Jesus responds, he says, he said to him, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. So, I love these verses. These are uh, kind of a a signal post for for Freedom Center Church. You know, we love God. We love people. We love to serve. That's kind of where these things are rooted in. But I think we do something wrong here. Uh, At least I do. I know a lot of you, if not all of you, are doing much better at this than me. All right? So I'm going to preach to myself a little bit today, and you guys get to enjoy the ride. But I think we, we flip these two a little bit too often. 
that we love our neighbor as ourself. I mean, let's be honest, we love ourselves a lot. A lot. I have several pages on the internet that are dedicated to me. (laughs) And I check them a lot. Like, did anybody like that thing that I said? Did they share that thing that I said? How many people answer the question I asked on Instagram? You know, and so, (laughs) but... But it's interesting, God doesn't teach us to love people at the expense of God, and he doesn't teach us to love God at the expense of people. So, I'm going to take a quick sip, this is the awkward silence here for a moment. You get cotton mouth when you speak. They don't warn you about that, like, it's like, hey, I want you to speak, you're going to get cotton mouth. Like, they just don't warn you about these things. So, so let's, let's look back at this, right? So Jesus doesn't say, love God so much that you forget about people. He doesn't say love God so much that you begin to hate people because they don't love God the way that you do. And he also doesn't say love people so much you forget about me. He doesn't say love people so much that you think that you love people better than me, right? So let's look at some examples, right? So Jesus uh, approaches a woman who is caught in the act of adultery and there's a bunch of uh, Jewish leaders that have rocks in their hand ready to stone her, which is this weird thing with the Jewish leaders of the time killing people with stones, I don't fully get it, but they just, they were, they were excited. Like, we finally get, so Jesus is like, look, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. The man without sin may cast the first stone, right? And they all drop the stones. Now, she goes to her and says, where are your accusers? Where'd they all go, right? She's like, you have none. Now, this is what, this is a mistake that we make far too often, is in an effort to love people, we say, hey, 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 your sin, your sin, it's, look, I'm, I'm not going to judge you for your sin, right? Like, I love you, and I love what you're doing, and I love, like, that smile dog on it. You're just so swell. I love you so much. And, and we've decided that that's loving people well. We've decided that when I go to someone and say, I'm not going to judge you, I'm not going to, like, I'm not going to ask anything more of you, just live your life, do your thing, be good, you know, hey, we're good, I love you. I've decided really that I know how to love people better than God loves people. Because, because we miss what Jesus adds to this. Right? The last thing he says is not like, all right, you're forgiven, have a great day. Like, tell the guys hi, right? No, no, no. What he says is go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. So, so God is the author of love. He created it. He designed it. So for me to look at people living a life and saying, hey, I love you so much, just keep doing what you're doing, I'm not loving them well. And now the other side of this, let's look at John the Baptist as he's, he's, uh, he's baptizing people, <clears throat> the same group of people, the Pharisees, come to check out what's happening. Now the Pharisees are a group of very holier-than-thou uh, believers, Jewish believers, and you know, I, I think the the older I get, the longer I walk with the Lord, I, I tend to relate quite a bit to them. Uh, but that's a whole other thing for another day. And so they come to see what John is doing because he's baptizing people. And, you know, the Lord really hasn't moved in about three, 400 years. So when something happens, when someone's speaking for the Lord and when someone's doing something special, A, the Pharisees got jealous. And B, they want to see what this is all about. Now, John turns to them knowing that they're there taking notes and judging him, not coming to get baptized. 
He calls them a brood of vipers, which I think is something that I'm going to start calling my kids when they do things wrong. <laughs> like the other day, uh, we had a cat. We don't anymore, but we had a cat. And um, my, our little one, Eleanor, she got in the kitty litter, which <clears throat> is why we no longer have a cat. And I really, that would have been a perfect example. Like, brood of vipers, what are you doing? Like, who gave you that? In what world was this a good idea? And, you know, it's not her fault. It's my fault for making the kitty litter so attractive for an 18-month-old. But, <laughs> so, so John says, like, brood of vipers, who warned you of uh, the wrath to come? Now, this is another thing that we're guilty of. Because if John had stopped there and said, who warned you? Who told you? You don't know God. You don't know God like I know God. You don't follow him like I follow God. Right? And we do this now. Maybe you're, you're like, I never think that way. Well, good. But I know a lot of people say, hey, you can't follow the Lord if you believe this. Like, you can't be a Christian if you vote Republican. You can't be a Christian if you vote Democrat. You can't do this. Shame. You don't know the Lord like I know the Lord. Like, come follow me. Let me stand on this, this, this box and tell all of you how depraved you are. But John then offers repentance to them, which is really the most beautiful gift. Because he knows that, okay, like who warned you? What's going on? I want you to know that something special is happening here. Something is, but people have realized that there's an inherent need in their heart and they have to turn to the one who solves those problems. Jesus teaches us to love God in a way that overflows into how we love people. Uh, there's a phrase that I love, I love called all ships rise with the tide. Has anyone heard this, this concept that all ships rise with the tide? So as, as the tide goes up, so do all the boats. The boats are going to follow the tide. So, and why that's important here is that if I prioritize like Jesus did when he introduces the commandments, right? He doesn't say love people first, then love God. It's love God first and then love people. All right. So now, if I love people, if I love the Lord, and I commit myself to Him, and I commit my ways to Him, and I commit my understanding to Him, and I try to transform my inner self into one that follows Him and that, that is obedient to Him, then I'm going to love people more perfectly. The more that I love the Lord, the better I can love people. It's not the more I love people and see them, the more I'm going to love God. Because the world and people, I love to be loved in a way that's contrary to how the Lord loves me, right? Like, I don't want people telling me what I did wrong. I don't want to be chastened. I don't want to be corrected. Just let me be, right? Like, don't fix me. I'm good. I'm happy. But to be perfectly loved as the Lord loves me, I need to be corrected. I need to be chastened. I need to be challenged. I need to be transformed, because the Lord created love. He designed it. He authored it and perfected it in his son, right? And so he teaches us what real love looks like. All right, so this is, I'm really proud of what we're about to do. This is something that, uh, um, kind of my own little uh, personality here. But all right, so Jesus' teaching in Matthew 22 is actually a callback to the Old Testament, so what Jesus did very often um, is he would say a phrase or a little part of the Old Testament in his teaching. And so here he's, he's referring to something from Deuteronomy 6. 
that we'll get to in a moment when he says, love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, and and mind, right? He's referring to something back in the book of Deuteronomy, but he doesn't give the whole phrase. He doesn't give the whole chapter and verse because, you know, they didn't have chapter and verses at this point in time. So, but he trusted that everyone listening to him, when he said, this is the greatest commandment, when he said that, he trusted that everyone listening would have understood the context that he was doing. Now, this is something we miss out on studying Scripture, something I miss out on in studying Scripture, but just about every Bible that I've ever seen, when you look, when someone teaches on something that refers back to the Old Testament, if you look on the bottom of the page, we probably all ignored this over and over again, are the footnotes. And the footnotes tell us where and what he's referring to. So this is something that we see very, very commonly um, in media, in Jesus' teaching. So I'm going to show a, a video example of how we commonly exercise, like I'm going to hint towards something and trust you as the viewer uh, understands what's happening. So you guys can... All right, so who's seen this movie? Raise your hand. All right, all right. So who's seen Captain America Winter Soldier? All right, if you've seen one, you've probably seen the other one, right? So, so in that previous movie, there was a huge fight in the Winter Soldier. Um, obviously, Captain America wins because America always wins. All right. <laughs> but, so, but this scene doesn't go and say, hey, do you remember that time? Do you, do you remember that time? Do you, do you remember when Captain America beat everybody? Do you remember? Like, it doesn't say, like, hey, there's not, a, there's not like, a, a thing on the screen that's, like, an insert that shows him, like, you know, that sweet scene where he kicks the shield up and, like, just... It doesn't remind you of all that, but immediately, as soon as you see the elevator doors open and those people in the room, there's an immediate tension to the scene because you know what happened in the past. The last time this happened, there was a fight. So when Jesus teaches, he says, love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, and mind. And that immediately will transport the, the, the people around him and uh, someone who's familiar with the Old Testament, it would transport them back to what is called the Shema. So the Shema is Deuteronomy chapter 6. It's turning into one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, and we're going to spend quite a bit of time going through it. But ultimately, what the book of Deuteronomy, which is the fifth book in the Bible, so if you start in the beginning, just flush through all of that and you get to the book of Deuteronomy, what's happening here is Moses is, the, the, the nation of Israel is about to enter into the land that they were promised. So the Lord promised them. They've been wandering the desert for 40 years, hanging on the promise of a land. And Moses, before they get to go in, he says, wait, 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 hold on, hold on. There's a plan for us here. There's a reason this was promised to us. And before we can do this, we have to understand that God has a plan for our nation 
that God wants for us to take this promised land and show the world what happens when a people choose me. He wants to show the world that my people, when they commit their ways to me, when they love me, when they love me with all that they are, when they commit their children to me, when they raise their children up in a way that, that, is, that follows me, you'll see how blessed my people are. And when I promise them a land, they get it. And when I promise them milk and honey, that's the best milk and honey they've ever had. But before we can walk in those promises, we have to know how to do this. We have to know. So Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5, if you're reading along in your phone or your Bibles, if not, it's right there. So it says, listen, Israel. So that word listen is uh, Shema in Greek. That's where we get the, uh, uh, the name of this prayer, the Shema is for listen. So listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all your strength. So, man, God has preferences on how to be loved, right? He has preferences on how to be loved. We all kind of have preferences on how to be loved, right? Like, if, if I wanted to be, like, a great gift for me from Megan would be like, hey, go, go golf for the afternoon, right? Like, I got the kids, go golfing, enjoy your friends, enjoy time with friends. But that's not how Megan wants to be, she wouldn't, like, if I said, hey, Meg, I love you so much, I want you to go golfing for the afternoon. <laughs> all, right, all right, okay, so we agree that that's ridiculous, right? That's ridiculous. I would never, that would be an awful husband if I just kept sending her to golf. She hates it. She, she hates it. We went golfing once. Uh, she didn't. She watched, and I played awful, which is probably accurate. But anyways, but, we, but she sits and she just laughed. Though. She's like, what is it? Why do you like this? You're clearly miserable. Like, why are you, what are we doing here? Like, you choose to do, wait, you pay money to do this? Like, so we accept, right? Like, if, if I'm gonna be a good husband, I have to love her based on her preferences, right? Now, if I wanna be a good follower of the Lord, I gotta love him on his preferences, not on my terms, not what feels good to me, not like what, hey, you know, I, like God, I know you want me to love you with my heart, soul, and strength, but how about my pinky? That good? So let's talk about what those phrases mean. So we're going to just do a quick explanation on the three. Um, so heart. So we got to love the Lord with our heart. That's the Greek word lev. Um, this is the general capacities of a person's ability to understand and make decisions out of their own free will. All right, so when, when the Shema says, the love of the Lord with your heart, it means love him by choosing him. When you exercise your free will, every time you come up to a point where it says me, and it says the Lord, we always go to the Lord. Every time that we have to choose him, which... I, there's a fascinating, beautiful thing about suffering is a really challenging and pain and hurt and loss is a horrendous part of being human. But this is the only time, this side of heaven is the only time we get to worship and choose and love the Lord through those things, right? So as, I, as I'm hurting and as I feel pain and as I'm broken and, and as I don't understand the situation that I'm in or the people or the, the circumstances and it hurts, I, I'm faced with that same choice. Me 
or the Lord. So to love the Lord with your heart means to always go right. Is to choose to love him no matter your circumstances. To choose to love him no matter what your heart wants. Not your lev, your, you know, you get it. So then there's soul, uh, which is nefesh, which is the seat of emotions. It's the whole you, from the inner to the outer self. With everything you are, everything that you have, everything that you just, it's, it's all of you. It's your emotions, it's how you feel, it's your frustration. So you love the Lord with all of those things. Oh, there it goes. And strength. All right, so strength is ma'od. Pastor Jim loves this. He's, he, he's taught on it recently. It's, this is actually a really uncommon use of this word in Hebrew, like super, super uncommon. I think one, two times in the Old Testament do we see it used in a similar way. Um, usually it's a noun or a verb, meaning very or really. Um, so it, it's, it's actually somewhat difficult to fully understand what was the, the intent of this specific word. But if we look at later translations of the Bible, specifically in like Aramaic, um, we understand that this usage likely means the consequences of a person's life. So the relationships that you have, right? Like there's consequences of your life. Consequences can be good and bad. Like when you meet someone and you spend time with them and you disciple them and you share the Lord with them, like there's consequences, there's ripples that happen because of it. Now, if you walk up to someone and like chop their leg off, like they're never going to walk the same, right? Like there's consequences to our actions. There's extreme examples, but you get the point. So we are to love the Lord knowing that my life carries weight. My life has consequences. When I spend time with people, there's ripples that happen in their life because of that time that I spent with them. When we spend time with people, do they, do they leave having smelt or seen or tasted or heard the Lord? Or do they just leave, you know, being impacted by Ian? I need to make sure, we need to make sure to love the Lord with our strength here, that we love the Lord in a way that I am making sure that the Lord is part of the influence that my life has. Not, not loving people in a way that it's like, hey, you know, nudge, nudge, you're a really great person, and man, doggone it, you're swell, and I love you so much, and walk away, and they're like, well, that was a really nice person. That was a really nice person. I, uh, so we, I, I, I got a honey-do list. Who's, who else has got a honey-do list? Are anybody else? Yeah, a couple of us. You had two hands in the back, the foot, you know, just like, man. I, trust me, she reminded me this morning of the honey-do list. She didn't. It's, it's rained all night. Amen for rain also. Um, <laughs> but, but I have this list of things, that, and, and I want to get these things done too, right? Like, uh, I see the problems, but um, Megan just operates differently. I'm a guy, and I can distract myself really, really easily from the problems. I I'm sorry. We're sorry. I'm sorry on our behalf, really. <laughs> but, but she reminds me, like, hey, can you do this? Or, hey, this really needs to get done. Or, hey, is this on the list of things that we, we need to accomplish? And um, it's really easy to just wake up and, like, like, did the honeydew elves do all the work for me? <laughs> Dang it. Like, did, did they do it today? No, nope, fence is still broken. Nope. The grass still needs to be mowed, which I haven't had to mow in like a month because, you know, rain. Um, <laughs> but, 
And we do this with the Lord, right? Like we do this in the way that we love people. We, we say like, hey, I'm just, you're such a nice guy. I love you so much. And I hope that maybe they ask questions later. You know, like we don't know if that was our last interaction. We don't know if this was our last opportunity to allow the consequences of my life impact them in a way that they see Jesus. So the Shema actually goes on. And uh, Moses says, these words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them on a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your city gates. So this is showing preferences, right? Like this is, these are God's preferences on how to love him. So how to love God. So the first one, keep his word in your heart. I, I think we have to be willing, and just going to backtrack a moment, but these kind of go hand in hand, but we have to acknowledge the Lord's preferences for how to be loved to truly love him, right? So if I don't keep his word in my heart, I don't know how he likes to be loved. I don't understand his preferences because if I don't know scripture, if I haven't un- opened up my Bible to understand who this man is, Jesus, who this person is, the Lord, right? Like if I haven't done that to understand it, how do I know what their preferences are, right? Like, it would be like being married to my wife just going off of, like, an online dating profile, like the back of the book, and being like, that's all that I have to know about how to love you. So you like long walks on the beach. We're going to do that every day for the rest of our life. Like, we get bored of that, right? You know, I'm, so we, we have to know the word, all right? And I know sometimes opening up scripture and studying can be such an overwhelming task because there are so many translations and so many different resources. But, I mean, with the amount of translations and resources, there is very little excuse for us to not be. There's no excuse for biblical literacy to be as low as it is right now with the amount of resources that we have. And the beautiful part is you are a part of a church. If you sit here in these seats, you are a part of a church that wants you to walk in those resources, to empower you to do what you need to do and to learn and to walk alongside people that love the Lord so that that word can be in your heart. So the second one is to talk to them with your children. So the Bible says to raise your kids up in a way they should go and they will not depart from it. And that's a promise, all right? So if you're a parent, if you're a parent your kids aren't doing that right now, that's a promise for you. All right, but, but if I, I find more and more the things that I m- make important, the things that like deep in my core are important, those are the things that I'm imparting onto my child, right? Like I'm not raising him up to be like a Lions fan because it's so important for him to be a Lions fan. If anything, I'm trying to spare him from that. <laughs> That's like the easiest joke. I feel bad doing that because it's like such a, I always roll my eyes when I get a Lions joke, but I... The point is, like, I'm going to raise up my kids, making sure that the things that are important to me are important to them, right? So, so whether or not you have kids, but if we're talking to him with our children, we're, we're imparting that onto our children, that means that it's, like, down in my core. That is, if I'm going to leave Levi and Eleanor with anything, it's a love for the Lord. So, talking about him inside and outside your home, man... Uh, and I'm alluding to a couple slides ahead, but man, our lives should look different if we love the Lord, all right? Like, it should, we shouldn't be hiding this. We should be talking about him constantly. 
And we should think about it constantly, which goes without saying. Uh, and actually, if you look back um, here, when it says, uh, bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead, this is actually really, Hebrew is a strange, weird, any Hebrew nerds here? It, like, it's a strange like picture, image, word, image, language. So they, they'd use a picture to explain what is trying to be expressed. So um, what's interesting, sign on your hand and a symbol on your forehead. So this is not telling us to put tattoos on our foreheads and our wrists, right? Like that's not what this is saying. So Pastor Ian said I should get a tattoo of the Lord on my forehead so everyone will know. No, please don't. I mean, if you, sure. But, <laughs> but if everything that I do goes through my hands, everything that I think goes through my head, so if, if he's a sign on my hand that everything that I do is through him, and if he's a symbol on my forehead, then everything that I think is through him. I see his, his worldview shapes mine, not the other way around. So, yeah, if we actually trust the Lord's ways and love him fully, people around us should certainly notice a difference, right? Like, there needs to be a difference in our life. There has to be a change. So uh, Deuteronomy, uh, we're going to go to verse 20, the band, you can come up. Um, When your son asks you in the future, what is the meaning of the decrees, statutes, and ordinances that the Lord our God has commanded you? Tell him. So when your son says, like, why do we do this? Why do we go to church every Sunday? Why do we live different? Why do we, can't we do this? And why can we do that? Why do we, why, 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 why do we do that? Say to him, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a strong hand. Before our eyes, the Lord inflicted great and devastating signs and wonders on Egypt, on Pharaoh and all of his household. But he brought us from there in order to lead us in and give us the land that he swore to our ancestors. The Lord commanded us to follow all these statutes and to fear the Lord our God for our prosperity always and for our preservation as it is today. Righteousness will be ours if we are careful to follow every one of these commands before the Lord Lord our God as he has commanded us. When someone asks you, why do you do this? Why are you different? Why do you go to church? Why do you feel that way? Why do you believe that way? You get to tell them, I was saved. When I had no hope, he gave me hope. When I had no future, he gave me future. When I had no purpose, he gave me purpose. Now, some of us may be in Egypt in our lives right now. Some of us might be in that Egypt right now. And and some of us haven't given the Lord an opportunity to show himself off, right? Like, haven't said, Lord, I'm going to let the world see what happens when you take over my life. I'm not going to... If we're not living in a way that the people don't notice the God living in us, we're clearly doing something wrong. Clearly doing something wrong, right? Like if I'm not living in a way where my son even says, why do we do this? If my neighbor doesn't even say, why do we do this? Why are you different? Why do you love differently? Why when pressure is placed on you, you thrive because you know something different? What is it about you? And you can say, I was in Egypt. I had no hope. I had despair, and the Lord rescued me. I'm going to be firm here. But if we claim to love God or say that we love God, but we don't allow him to change how we live and how we love people, that's not loving God. That's joining a book club. I wrote a book. I I wrote a paper. I didn't write a book, but I wrote a, it might as well have been. I took AP literature in uh, my senior year of high school. And uh, I was, I'm a procrastinator by nature. 
Um, and uh, we had to compare two books, Hamlet and One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, eight to 10 page paper, um, and I had plenty of time. And I found myself the night before uh, with nothing written and no books having been read. Um, so I wrote an eight and a half page paper comparing two books that I had never read to one another. And I turned it in um, ashamed, but confident enough for the teacher to think that, okay, maybe he actually did it. And I got a 92. No, no, wait, don't, don't. I'm ashamed of this story. <laughs> I'm ashamed of this story um, because oftentimes that's me when, with my walk. I haven't done the work. I haven't done the effort. I've just, I turned in a paper and tricked a lot of you. Now, that might not be today, but that may have been yesterday. And that might have been, that might be some of us today. So this is what we're going to do as we, we, about, we enter into a time of worship. We're going to have some altar workers come up. Um, and if, if, man, if, if you want to commit yourself to allowing the Lord to change how you live and love and to love him on his terms and not yours, if you have, like if you're in Egypt and you need to be rescued to give the Lord an opportunity to show off what he can do, I want to give you that opportunity. Um, and so we'll do that. So um, I'll pray and the worship team will lead us into this last song. So Lord, we thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for all that you're doing in our lives. Pray that as people come up and they, they receive prayer, that it wouldn't just be things that, that nudge them in one way or another, but there would be true transformation that happens today, God. And we just pray that you would be glorified and that you would be made known in Jesus' name.